You're listening to The Boz Show, the socially conscious podcast for leaders. Kareem, what's going on, sir? Hey, man, how you doing? Good evening. Not much. Hanging out here, Fontana, California, uh, in the beautiful county of San Bernardino. Yeah, yeah, I know it's uh, windy, windy out there all the time, right? It is. This is. Um, it's funny because I was born in uh, North Chicago, and they call it the Windy City. So, uh, coming to Fontana and living here, it actually is the Windy City. <laughs> and yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, man, that wind has, holds no prisoners, man. It, it just lets you have it. Yeah, Chicago wind is cold and crisp, but yep. Montana, it's a nice, <laughs> dry and humid. <laughs> yep, yep. So, uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. You work, uh, you work in for County Riverside. Mm-hmm. You're on the you're on the board in city, uh, County uh, San Bernardino, right? The city plan, uh, city, uh, city planning commission, and then you're also a doctoral student. So, tell us all why you're doing all of this, and you know what's the, <laughs> how it all came about. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, I, I professionally work for the County of Riverside. I'm a public information officer there. I think I've been there for, uh, um, let's see, since 2012. So nine years total, but I've been in the position I'm in now for approximately five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting that the path that I arrived to just because of my background. I'm first generation. Uh, both of my parents are from uh, Central America, Belize. And um, a lot of my aspirations today are driven in the sacrifice they made you know, coming here and trying mm. to find a path forward for myself and my sister. And so um, to kind of like sum it up and um, kind of give it briefly, I, I grew up in Fontana. Um, most of my life, I'm raising my family here now. I have mm-hmm. uh, kids and my beautiful wife, Christina. Um, and and it's just all, it's all like, like it's one of those things where, you know, they, they tell you like life figures itself out eventually. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what my story is because originally I wanted to become a lawyer and attorney. And so mm-hmm. um, one of my mentors said, Hey, you should get your English degree because um, lawyers need to know how to write and present and communicate. Uh-huh. Right. So I, I take that path. I go to Concordia university for two years uh, after I graduated from AB Miller and then um, ended up transferring to UC Riverside and mm-hmm graduated my degree in, in English, but mm-hmm. during that time, um, you know, a, a big situation happened. We actually had one of the biggest recessions, you know, in our country's history. And so jobs were limited. Um, so I ended up getting involved in after-school programming and I got my start there, basically organizing at the, at the really grassroots level, mm-hmm. uh, working with, you know, at-risk youth, working with their families. And so I worked in Fontana, um, then ended up working in Ontario and Rialto, um, and, until I, I got this opportunity to join uh, the County Riverside Community Action Partnership. And so all those experiences kind of framed my mind about how to engage community, um, the type of issues that community has. So at, at Community Action, a lot of my work I did was financial um, literacy and asset development. Mm-hmm. And so I was helping families understand um, their finances and, and how to navigate um, their, their federal taxes. And so you end up learning that, you know, these are all systems that were designed before us and that we kind of have to learn to navigate. So um, one of my mentors there actually told me, hey, you, you want to move up professionally, you, you got to get your graduate degree. So I decided to get my master's at the University of Redlands. Um, mm-hmm. I got in, in management um, and a lot of it was because I wanted to have a broader background. Mm-hmm. And so um, all, all of that kind of inspired me to get into public service. And so um, I ran for office a few times and, and um unsuccessfully it didn't work out but mm-hmm. one thing you learn when you run for office is you learn a lot it opens up a lot of doors 
And so I ended up joining the planning commission in Fontana at that time mm-hmm. um, and learned a great deal, um, was able to meet a lot of new people um, and just understand the system a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and after a couple of years, I ended up getting appointed to the California State Bar Committee of Bar Examiners. Wow. Uh, and so I've been serving there since 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and during that time, I, I just got inspired to get my doctorate. And a lot of it's just because, you know, um, I have three kids and I, I grew up in a community where when I graduated um, high school, only 5% of my uh, peers went to higher education. And then when you go down to the demographics and representation of people who have higher degrees, it's, it's marginal, right? It's, it's like you could count them on one hand that you know that our doctors or come from that type of um, yeah. background. And so it, it was important for me to do that, um, just to kind of, you know, break through and show that someone um, could get, get to that level that, that, we're, that we're able um, to get there. And so happy to be there. Um, I was appointed to the County San Bernardino Planning Commission uh, early this year in January. And um, I've just been having a really good time learning more about the county um, and land use development and how we build our communities. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's just been something that's been a, a, an opportunity that I never dreamed or imagined of. And I've just been happy to be along and, and just, you know, be grateful. I'm one of the youngest persons on there and um, I'm able to just provide a different perspective, uh, you know. So you're doing, you're doing a whole lot. There's a whole lot going on. <laughs> there. Yeah. And, you know, I could, I could pick your brain about any one of those things, but I think one yeah. of the things that really stood out to me was, was the idea of community, right? The whole idea mm-hmm. of building a community. And I think it's such a vague term. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about, we need change in our community. We yeah. need this in our community. We need this in our community, but it's so abstract. So when you think of community, how do you approach it? What do you see as community? What does it mean in your terms? And yeah, and that's a very interesting concept because growing up, you never really understand what community means and uh, what the culture um, is is regarding to that community, right? And so for me, how I see it is I see it as people and I see it as uh, the community that I grew up in is, is in people uh, from different backgrounds. Um, and, and for the most part, it's, it's people of color that are disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say that, I mean, it's kind of in a way that the deck's been stacked against us. Uh, the policies mm-hmm. that have been passed aren't necessarily meant for us to um, excel through. And so when I think about community, I think about those people. And, and um, I think about the individuals that, you know, just need a little bit uh, support, a little bit of help to get to the next level. Like someone like me, right? I, I had to go to public school. Um, there, were, there were times where you had to rely on public systems. Uh, social and safety net to propel us. And it's that little bit of edge that gives us that next um, level opportunity. And, and you know, it, they say it takes 20 years to, um, to escape poverty. And so it, it's one of those things, right? Like I live in a community that, you know, um, is very working class and um, there are a lot of families that are low income. And the idea is that how do we create better communities to be able to provide a pathway and, and a ladder to, to success? Um, so there's two aspects to it, right? You're saying that there's, there's communities, which are people, and then you have systems that, that basically, I guess, create opportunities and barriers for, for people as a whole. Now in, in your position and in your work, how, how do you change that system? Cause I think it's, it's one of those invisible barriers that people see, right? There's like these, there's red tape, there's, you know, bureaucracy, all this stuff that people don't necessarily see yep. but those challenges exist and too often people are told they need they need to do better or change or whatever right and but yeah. they don't see these uh all this red tape that's there 
And that's what it comes down to, man. It's comes down to education. That's what inspired my public service. Um, when I was working in, in after school programs, I learned um, it's not that people um, weren't able, so they didn't know. They didn't know how to navigate uh, complex systems that weren't necessarily created for them mm -hmm. and don't necessarily aren't necessarily managed by people who have their similar experiences. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the ways that I try my best to educate others is, you know, by is, is by having those conversations and organizing um, people like minded folks that, you know, want to learn and want to understand um, and even trying to engage others that, you know, don't necessarily agree with you. And so a lot of that has been uh, the work that I've kind of done on a volunteer basis in my own community um, and just help people understand how the system works, how it operates. And um, what I learned a lot of the times is people are just, you know, looking for um, avenues that they could engage themselves into the process. Um, and because and if people don't know, then, then they kind of don't pay attention to it. And so um, some of the ways that I've done is just, you know, bringing it to their attention. Um, I, I, I organize so many different things, mm -hmm. um, but, um, I'll say in particular, we had a district-based election process here. Um, we ended up going around town presenting what that process meant, and it was all community-driven, um, and we presented actual maps to the city council to consider, um, but we used it as an opportunity to, to show the communities of interest that we had in our own city of Fontana, um, and, and it was a process of just, you know, writing press releases, using social media, mm -hmm. um, talking to your friends, um, and identifying, you know, people who would be interested in helping or learning more or would just support your cause. Um, and, and it's not easy, right? It's, it's a labor of love when you're organizing your community. Mm -hmm. But I think for the most part, you're trying to break down the, the walls, the invisible walls um, and, and make them visible. So people understand these are things that are reality and, and that uh, if you know better, you can navigate them. And that's something that as a first generation American, I'm still navigating mm -hmm. uh, systems in my own right. And even as a planning commissioner, there's still things that I have to learn um, in order to be effective and kind of, you know, implement change. And so um, some of the some of the issues that that we encounter is that uh, a lot of things take time. And the reason they take time is because the procedural, the process are administrative. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes time for us to learn how to navigate those. Yeah. Uh, in their own right. And so that's where it gets a little bit, you know, more wonkier and you kind of have to devote more time to understanding it. And sometimes what you have is you have people run for office and break those barriers, mm -hmm. uh, but they'll be stifled by the system in itself, right? They, they can't get anything done. Yeah. So um, sometimes so, so they're basically minutes. just filling a seat for years. Yeah. And, and, and they're using different avenues to inspire and educate people, but you learn the system is just designed that way and you just have to bring more people to the table, you know, and, and that's kind of one of the things that I guess inspired me, man. And, and I thought you asked that question uh, when I was at Community Action, one of the big um, statements that we, we lived by was that if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. And mm -hmm. so that guided most of my activism from that was 2012 through mm -hmm. today. Um, wow. A lot of it's getting people to the table, helping people understand if you're at this table, at least you have a say, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, even if you don't know what the heck they're talking about, you're at least in the room understanding the vernacular, you know, the vocabulary, what the, you know, what the agencies are involved and who you could talk to and, and just step by step, you could learn a little bit more. What, what are some things that you've learned, you know, <clears throat> sitting at the table? I mean, you're, you're hearing about all these vague concepts from city planning mm -hmm. to land usage to all of this stuff. How do you, first of all, what do you learn when you're at the table and how do you bring the lens of equity in that space and really try to challenge it because it's such a abstract complex scenario and a lot of times what ends up happening is when someone new comes to the room they're not part of an old school club or whatever yeah. you're often put to the side like what do you know you know 
you're 20 something, right? 30 now. And, you know, it's like, you know, we've been here yeah. doing it for 50 years. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what you learn, man, is that building consensus takes building relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and when you talk about uh, systems that are established and groups that have been in power or emboldened or in the positions of authority for so long, it's, it's difficult to break through. And, and we still see ourselves um, navigating those nuances, right? Uh, but there is alignment. And a lot of the times when you talk about equity, um, diversity, and even inclusion, um, there, there's people that are uh, interested in moving that needle forward. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you could trace it back to like the Civil Rights Act, right? Uh, about Martin Luther King and, and his discussion with the Voter Rights Act and how he felt he was um, leading people to a burning building. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was very significant. He was saying that in, in, his, in his latter years as an organizer, because um, you, you get that way. You get um, like the system just won't let up. And um, I know we talk a lot about the system being um, this entity, but it's just really about the way it's designed. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, what I learned, and a lot of it that I learned was just listening and absorbing and asking questions, mm -hmm. um, was just that there's a lot of things that, you know, that were created in people's minds a long time ago, mm -hmm. um, and made up, um, and that there's their opportunity to make up things better, you know, and, and when you think about um, policies like redlining, mm -hmm. that systematically uh, placed people of color, uh, more specifically black families, and mm -hmm. and communities that just didn't have any resources, and then you affixed um, resources to the education quality, mm -hmm. um, you learned that, yeah, this system was designed for people to fail. Right. And um, for me- You can hack away at one side, right? You can change the housing, for example, but then correct. education is falling apart. And then you're just yep. like basically trying to hold it together. I mean, yep. it seems like some people, even with work, right? Some people are like, oh, people don't work anymore. I yeah. see people working two, three jobs and they still exactly. can't even, Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah, and that's that's what you're seeing, right? You saw um, policies that were put into place in the 1970s, 80s, like Prop 13, that capped property tax. But mm -hmm. if you were to buy a house today, you're paying double to triple that property tax. And so you're having to work more uh, to pay for something that was less um, back then. And the only benefit that previous generations had was that they were there first. They were the early adopters. Uh, yeah. and so they created the, the playing field to play in. And so a lot of the times it's up to following generations just to see those, see through those things and identify how do we how do we make it more equitable? How do we design it in a way that's more uh, fair to others? Um, and, and that's kind of what I've learned uh, being at the table and trying to create these relationships with individuals that sometimes I don't see eye to eye on and probably will never see eye to eye on. But I think the benefit is uh, the ability to have conversations and just be mindful and respectful. And I've learned that, right? It took me yeah. seven years before I was a very hypercharged uh, individual who was, you know, very vocal. And I still consider myself vocal, but, you know, I'm very pointed now in the, in the way that I, um, uh, you know, facilitate my activism um, and, and engage with the community because I think that I have a responsibility to be responsible too. Mm -hmm. And um, it's up to me as, you know, someone in my own community that's been here for uh, 20 plus years to try to help others. And I, I can do that, you know, but there's a way. Um, and, and, you know, I just try my best to take that avenue uh, in all my capacities. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an interesting point. I think, you know, a lot of times, especially when you're new to the game and you're really energized, I think people tend to just, uh, they don't think of it strategically. I think they come mm -hmm. into the space and they demand. And I think, I think it does come from a good place. We have many yeah. people <clears throat> that are, you know, millennials and Gen Z that are really, very vocal and they want change now yeah and a lot of the a lot of it is working i mean they're pushing back in their companies and their organizations and things like yep. that but 
the, the problem is the people at the top are very strategic. They know how to manage yeah. it. They know how to uh, play with people's emotions. Yeah. I mean, just look at all the diversity commitments over the past year, right? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. You had all these organizations that committed to something that they didn't follow through on. Everyone forgot about it in a year. Yeah. And, you know, they, that time has passed, right? So I think uh, yeah. the people at the top are constantly uh, strategic about what they're doing. Yeah. It, it's all it's all a part of the process, man. And that's one thing I've learned too. Mm. Uh, it's very procedural, right? Like make, putting things in motion is always like, you know, it's a process in itself. And so those are things that um, we as newcomers or people that are barely becoming engaged or understanding, getting more deeply involved, have to understand uh, to a degree and how to navigate that, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, not to say that it's perfect, but a lot of the times it's not perfect, but mm -hmm. uh, our focus as someone, as people who know better and understand the system, we, we just have to figure out, identify like what our lane is and how we could not disrupt, but at least, you know, provide some reform that makes the process better. Yeah. What is, uh, what does your future look like? If you had a, what's the vision for yourself in the next five to 10 years, as far as working in the community, what would you like to see? So for me, one of my, my deepest passions, man, and, it, and it's related to something very personal. Um, my, my daughter was born premature and she has uh, cerebral palsy and epilepsy. And so that's really, that's really transformed my mind to the way we engage um, with people in general. Because uh, my, my daughter has disabilities and the world isn't necessarily shaped for people with disabilities. And so mm -hmm. as you get into the subgroups of subgroups, right? You get into people of color, you get into low-income families and you get into uh, special needs families. Mm -hmm. And lo then low-income families, you learn that, you know, it, the system is just not, not beneficial um, and it creates a lot of barriers for those individuals. And I just had a conversation this, mor this morning about the housing element. Mm -hmm. uh, that we're uh, that we're looking to implement in the county of San Bernardino, and we're literally, um, you know, behind on building houses for people uh, that, that have uh, disabilities. And there's up to one in four people in the county of San Bernardino in the unincorporated areas have a disability. Mm. And so you can think about what that does, right? Because you live in a capitalistic society where you have to work, you have to uh, manifest <laughs> these your income to mm -hmm. to, be able to provide for yourself. And so I've become very passionate about that. And so it's it's the source of my um, my dissertation that I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm actually evaluating um, LCAPs in San Bernardino City Unified mm -hmm. and plan on uh, interviewing parents about how they understand the system. Because like I said, if parents don't know or if they're not engaged then they kind of necessarily don't know how to navigate, not just um, the system called the LCAP, which is how the government designed funding for communities, but um, also high priority um, populations. Mm. Um, then there's the, another program called uh, the Special Education Local Plan Area. That's the SELPA. Mm -hmm. And that's where the money comes from the state for special education. And so if, if you as a parent don't understand those two programs, you're kind of, you know, at, at the back of the line when it comes to advocating for your child's needs. So I, I, I want to pursue that. I want to finish that and complete it. I'm, I'm probably like a few months away from that. Um, and so I'm hoping that that takes me to a path to where I get into um, a lot more um, direct advocacy for, for families like mine and families that don't understand how to navigate those systems because it's very daunting when you have a child with disability and then you learn um, you're filing, you're fighting battles every day. And, and, you know, I think a lot of it's just how do you alleviate some of that pressure from families, whether it's mental health or it's um, resources, if it's, um, you know, some type of uh, therapy that they need um, or some type of wheelchair or things like that, you know, those are, those are resources that are transformative, you know, and, and there's a story just, um, 
think it was Wednesday, there, there's, a, there's a kid, his name's Amazing Matthew, um, and he has cerebral palsy, and he just launched his uh, clothing line mm -hmm. uh, with a YouTuber, I think it is, named Charlie, and, and he raised over $250,000 in one day for his wow. uh, clothing brand. And just, just, the, just the level of work that creates for someone to understand they have purpose, I think makes all the difference. And so uh, I, I just would love to find that type of work and use all of my resources, skill set, and, and talent and background to kind of facilitate that. Yeah, I think, it, I think that's a really powerful point. I mean, so many of our institutions, you know, we talk about uh, taking care of the vulnerable communities and, and yeah. things like that, but we, this is one area that we all, I think, really struggle in and really don't take into consideration. I mean, most of the buildings are, are religious spaces. I mean, for my own community, you know, many mm -hmm. of the mosques, things like that that are built, they're not taking into consideration of, you know, how people from special needs can navigate. And, mm -hmm. and too often, we don't even notice the people within the congregations that have come in for yeah. years that, you know, some, some people may not even hear, they might not see, um, yep. but they're still there for the sermon, right? And really just recently people are now thinking about you know how can we accommodate them and create structures that really involve people but it's a big part of the conversation that i think our community has not uh talked about enough and i think a big part of it is unfortunately it's not the cool thing to do yet it's not popular you know yep. across the board we don't have campaigns about it and and, and i think um it needs to get there, but you know it's it's a difficult conversation that uh, that needs to happen with act, with the activist community. Uh, yeah, you know, but it takes people breaking through, man. It takes people like me using whatever platform and and abilities that I have to have those conversations and just open up the door and uh, continue reminding people that there is this community that's out there that needs support too, and uh, they they just want recognition and and you know they just want their own purpose um, to be fulfilled as well, you know, and and it's not that like. You know, I know we talk about people with disabilities, but sometimes it's it's like me. Like if I don't have glasses, I can't see. So I, I'm, you know, have a former disability as well, um, that'll impair me from doing my job and providing for my family. And so, um, everyone just has, you know, their their you know their their issues to overcome. And you know, thankfully, my family, you know, we have a good family that's been able to overcome them for my daughter. But you know, it, it's something that was very transformative for me. Um, early on and has been every day of, of the week because that's my reality mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't imagine this reality for a family that has you know multiple barriers to overcome it, it just would be very very stressful and and you know stress you know stress harms people man and yeah and, uh, we're learning a lot of what that does to our communities right uh the lack of a job the lack of purpose the lack of resources like all that compiles and and you know it it, it yeah. creates a very bad environment yeah, I mean, it shortens your life, and then you know, yep. it also um, creates a lot of more health complications in your life. Exactly. Throughout. Yep. So, big time. Well, Kareem, I appreciate your time. You know, keep up yep. the good work, and we'll stay connected. Yeah. yeah, anytime, man. Thank you. Always available if you ever need anything, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Thank you guys for listening to the Boz Show. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share.